So while in Damascus, if you look at verse 19, we are told, and after taking some food, he regained his strength, and he spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. At once, verse 20, he began to preach in the synagogues, synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. And all those who heard him were astonished and asked, Is it he the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who call on this name? And hasn't he come here to take them as prisoners to the chief priests? Yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Messiah. So Saul has believed, he's been baptized. He's now proclaiming Jesus as the Christ, the Son of God, the anointed one of God. People that know him look at him and they say, is this not the same person who was persecuting Christians? And he has come here to arrest Christians. They are confused at what is happening to Saul. This is still happening in Damascus. And when I look at Saul, one of the things that comes to my mind is that when piracy among the Jews to kill him, this has been their response. Whenever they can't stand you, they kill you. That's what they did to Jesus. That's what they did to Stephen. And that's what they want to do to Saul. But Saul learned of their plan. Day and night they kept close watch on the city gates in order to kill him. But his followers took him by night and lowered him in a basket through an opening in the wall. So even though he is proclaiming Christ, even though they can tell this person something has happened to him, they begin to reason with him. When they realize they can't defeat him, they conspire to kill him. And Saul, this powerful persecutor that has been humbled by God, is saved through a basket. He becomes what I would say a basket case. He escapes. He escapes. So he is rejected in Damascus. If you go to Galatians chapter 1, verse 15, after the rejection in Damascus, we are told that Paul says, he's the one giving the story here. From verse 15, he says, but when God, who set me apart from my mother's womb and called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles, my immediate response was not to...
the Jews want nothing to do with him. They want to kill him. He disappears for a while. He comes back. He's proclaiming Christ. Where else can he go? He goes to the church, to the people that believe like him. And they don't believe him. They are afraid of him. They don't welcome him. They don't receive him. They don't accept him. It's not safe outside and it's not safe inside for Saul. And all this is because of his reputation. Let me say something here about our reputation. Some of us, before we came to Christ, we had a very bad lifestyle, horrible lifestyle. A lifestyle that may have damaged a lot of people on the way. A lifestyle that has left a lot of, a lot of scars on other people. And so, when we came to Christ, that lifestyle was still lingering before us. People that know us, when they look at us, they see where we are coming from. And some if you have if you never had that kind of lifestyle, that there was no drama in your life, you may be tempted to think that you don't have a testimony. Now, that person that has been saved from that horrible lifestyle has a testimony because that is the power of God's grace. It can reach to the lowest person in life and still transform that life. That person that has had a good lifestyle, depending on how you were brought up, you never even smoked cigarettes. You never drank alcohol. You, you are a disciplined person. You grew up in a, in a very good family. You still have a testimony if you are a believer. Because you should look back and say, thank God his grace kept me away from that. So while we can glorify God when we see a chief, the chief of sinners turn to Christ, we should also glorify God when we see this good person turn to Christ. Because in both lives, the grace of God is don't be tempted to say, you know, 
I need to try this so that I can have a testimony too. God's grace is not only seen in lives that have been horrible. It's also seen in lives that have been good. But for those of us that our lives have been horrible, here is wisdom for you. When people are still seeing you from your past, don't blame them because you had that past. It may take time for them for that past of yours to fade in their eyes. But also, don't give them a reason to doubt you. Because sometimes we blame people why they are rejecting Paul or Saul for that matter. Their rejection is understandable. But you know, when you face rejection, especially in the world, you want to go to church at least because you know their Christ will accept you. And therefore, when Paul or Saul goes to church and the church also does not accept him, this is painful for him. It must be very disappointing. It must be discouraging for him. When the place and the people that should accept him become the people that reject him. But you look at verse 27. And the Bible says, but Barnabas, but, yes, he was rejected. Yes, they are afraid of him. Yes, they want nothing to do with him. But Barnabas, the son of encouragement. We know about Barnabas, he cares for people. He is a people-concerned person, a people-conscious person. We are told in verse 27, Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him, but has found a true friend in Jesus Christ. Because Barnabas focuses on what God is doing in Saul's life, he makes it safe for Saul 
to come to the church. The question that I'm trying to answer with this passage is, how can we make it safe for others to come to the church, to come to church? I'm glad you asked. We can make it safe for others to come by showing that we believe in God's power to save and to transform any life. We can make it safe for others to come to church by showing that we believe in God's power to save and to transform any life. The key word here is showing. Christians are so good at speaking. We can say, I love everyone. We can say, <laughs> Let me tell you a secret. Uh, I think it's the first year when I came here, and some, some of you will remember this. When I met with the, the elders, I, was, I asked them, how an issue with one of their daughters they wanted me to pray for? All those times that I came, there was a a coffee desk out there in the foyer. No one invited me to have coffee. It was not a friendly church. It was only a friendly church to the people who were there. After church, you would see them talking to one another. There was always a group on that side. There was one there. No one was even using the foyer. But you would see the same people every Sunday coming together and talking. And by that, they thought they were friendly. But if you were visiting, you wouldn't sense that friendship. So we said we need to change this. And uh, today I am so glad that we have moved to a place where we can say, we are a friendly church. And that's going by the testimony of those who have come in. They say, I felt welcome. But we still have people who still need to grow. And let me say this. If you came here and you are welcome, we expect you to do the same to someone else. It's not supposed to end with you. We were not waiting for you to come so we can stop being friendly. And I'm saying that because I observe a lot. And I can tell you that many of those that have come and have been received so well, they felt welcome, 
are among the people who are not ready to receive others. So you need to change that. Let it not stop with you. By making sure that everyone that visits us feel welcome and accepted. When we do that, we are making it safe for them to come here. But we are also making it safe for them to desire to be part of God's family. And this is not something that we pretend to do. It's something that we do from our hearts. You young people here, I know you've developed some friendships. But when a young, another young person comes in, you must be willing to break that fellowship you have and go and sit with that young person or invite them to sit with you. It should be your desire. You should always be looking out. If you see a young person coming, be the first one to go. Introduce yourself. Bring them in. They will come back the next Sunday. Because you have shown interest. But if, if a young person comes and she looks at you or he looks at you and he can see how connected you are, you are sending a message. You are telling them you have no place here. And that's the same thing we also do. Barnabas, when he died on the cross and shed his blood, that was Jesus saying to every sinner, it is safe for you to come to the Father. And it should be our desire to want to help anyone to come to the Father. We must be willing to say to those who are wounded, because we have so many people that have been wounded in churches, by churches. We must be willing to say to them, it is safe for you to come home to the Father. It is safe for you to come to church where you can find healing and forgiveness and acceptance and joy. It is safe for you to come and I want to help. These are opportunities that the Lord give us to experience his power and his grace in people's lives. I was telling my wife the other day that people can say so many things about me that may not be nice, and that's okay. But there is one thing that you will not say about me. You will not say that Pastor Valerian does not love me. You will not say that. You can say, Pastor Valerian, uh, this or that, and, and that's okay. But one of the things you will not be able to say, if you've been attending this church, you will not say, Pastor Valerian doesn't care about me. But 
to make it safe for them by showing that we believe in God's power to save and transform any life. This is what we see in Barnabas, and this is what I encourage you to, to do. Let me finish this. When so Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name in the name of the Lord, he talked and debated with the Hellenistic Jews, but they tried to kill him. When the believers learned of this, they took him down to Caesarea, to Caesarea, and sent him off to Tarsus. Now the believers have come to the rescue because they see Saul as one of them. And then listen to what happened. Then the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace and was strengthened. Living in the fear of the Lord instead of, of, of Paul's or Saul's fear and encouraged by the Holy Spirit, it increased in numbers. You read here and you go back to Barnabas and you are like, wow, a small step can make a huge difference in the lives of God's people. And you are one of those people that God can use to make that difference. You just have to be willing to show that you believe in God's power to save and to transform any life.